0: Jesus appears to his disciples and to us. Three reflections on this passage uh, a community of disciples, a community of resurrection, and a community who touch Jesus. A community of disciples. A chance to drop in on different churches or experience different styles of worship during a sabbatical might seem appealing. On past sabbaticals, I've found it interesting for a few weeks, but then that feeling of rootlessness rises in me. Where do I belong? Who are my community? Perhaps I'm just not very good at being nomadic. Or perhaps worshipping God is highly concentrated in a community with whom one has a relationship, where there has been a shared experience of working out faith together. The danger is, I know, that the church becomes a club of friends, uh, at worst a clique, but if one has traveled together say, through a pandemic. And as a community has worked out how to meet with God, despite the challenges, the offering to God of worship is, well, communal. Jeremiah conveys this sense of God's involvement with the people of Israel. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be. My people. So extract yourself for three months from your community and visit a number of churches. Yes, they're Christian. Yes, one could argue they are still your community. worship seems to feel somewhat disconnected. Now doing all of this on YouTube pushes that disconnection even further. I see names and greetings in the live chat, but I don't recognize anybody. It felt more like watching TV, remote. I have to say, being together like we are on Zoom is the closest I've seen to, well, being together. That's why I'm glad to get back to worship at Hind Street. I did sneak in on Good Friday, by the way. So my reflection on trying to worship in the last three months, admittedly in the strangest of environments, is that being extracted from one's community makes a difference. Who does Jesus appear to in this passage? They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. The disciples, a group, a community. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You are witnesses of these things, he says to the group, the community. Jesus appears to the disciples, and on the whole, he does appear to groups, a community. Yes, he appears to Mary in the garden, alone, in both Mark and John. Her first reaction, though, is to go and tell the others, the community. I have seen the Lord, she says. And in this passage, the disciples have been hearing about that road to Emmaus, the appearance of Jesus to two disciples, discussing as they were their sadness and bewilderment, and maybe their isolation and loneliness. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus comes and appears to his disciples, to the community with whom he travelled around Galilee, teaching the kingdom of God, to the community who travelled to Jerusalem with him and witnessed the horrors of Good Friday. Now, this community have something else to witness, his resurrection presence with them. He has appeared again within their community. In the midst of their isolation and terror, Jesus appears to his disciples, and I would suggest that it is precisely in the midst of over a year of challenge, loss, bewilderment, deprivation from the sacraments, and an anxiety for the future, that Jesus appears to us, a community of disciples. a community of resurrection. A community of resurrection. Yesterday was the London Methodist Synod, a group of about 200 people representing the various Methodist churches around London. Usually we meet in Methodist Central Hall in Westminster, but yesterday on Zoom. A community, if you like, who began by worshipping together, travelling together in a strange time as the people of God, but communities do not always agree. If you're not sure that that is true, come to church council this afternoon. But as I said earlier, I will be celebrating a church council, human interaction and conversation. Yesterday, Synod debated the report on human relationships, the headline of which is whether same-sex marriage may take place in Methodist churches. The proposals in front of us made provision for such marriage to take place, whilst preserving the rights of churches or ministers who wish not to conduct a same-sex marriage. The proposals offered a two-track theology for marriage, that marriage is both between a man and a woman, and that marriage is between two people. If you don't follow that, please do ask me and I will explain. As you might imagine on this subject, there were heartfelt opinions differing views, some were for, some were against. And the debate was, I think on the whole, very respectful and constructive. But as we moved to the vote, which will be reported to the Methodist Conference for their information only, one eminent member of Synod made perhaps, I think, the most telling contribution. And I have to paraphrase what was said. This person said, are we in danger of missing the point of this whole report? It is not, am I for same sex marriage or am I against it? The report is, can I live in a church where we have disagreements on fundamental issues of theology and human living. Can I live in a church and live well with people with whom I profoundly disagree? Same-sex marriage is but one context where there is disagreement in the church worldwide. There will be other areas of disagreement which might exercise the church council this afternoon. When do we return to in-person worship? And how do we continue to value those who will be on Zoom? How do we spend our money or indeed use our building post COVID? We will disagree on these issues. Never mind something as important and fundamental as same-sex marriage. How do we disagree well as a resurrection community? The community with whom we worship will not always agree on fundamental issues, but Jesus appears to his disciples in their confusion and to us in our complexity and invites us to be witnesses to his appearance, his resurrection. And his appearance, his resurrection signaled a new way of living, a new living beyond the death which had been caused by various factions wanting power, religious or political. These resurrection appearances were about reminding the community, those disciples, to live as a resurrection community following jesus following the values of the kingdom he demonstrated in his ministry here's a kingdom value which was noted yesterday although i paraphrase can i live in a church and live well with people with whom i profoundly disagree a community of resurrection. And before I go on to my third community, you may want to know what happened in the voting at Synod yesterday uh, on allowing same-sex marriage in church, Methodist churches. Problem is there were lots of different resolutions, but I can summarize it by saying two thirds were in favor of allowing same-sex marriage to take place in Methodist premises. But that vote alters nothing yesterday, it is merely indicative, it's a a clue to the Methodist conference meeting in, is it June or July, Um, and they will take the final vote. So we have a community of disciples, a community of resurrection, and a community who touch Jesus, a community who touch Jesus. The Easter resurrection stories for me this year have been compelling for one simple reason, touch. Look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself, touch me and see. The resurrection stories are in many ways ambiguous. In Matthew 28 the disciples take hold of his feet. John 20 Mary, do not touch me. John 20, to Thomas, put your hand in my side. Doubt no more and believe. Luke 24, touch me and see. We are a people who have been denied touch, a handshake, a hug. Now, whether you're a Royalist or not, If you saw the solitary figure of the Queen sat in St. George's Chapel yesterday in her deepest loss. No one to put their hand on her arm. She seemed to represent so many who have experienced just that feeling during Covid, the denial of touch. And in the light of Covid, denied the human or animal need for touch. The digital medium has provided means of communication, but what it can't do is to offer touch. Julia Christiva writes of our interaction digitally. This has not abolished loneliness, but has compressed it in messages and data. Maybe that begins to explain some of my feelings of loneliness or isolation these last three months. Maybe yours. There are virtual reality ways of touching over the digital sphere. I'm not going to go into them this morning. And they don't exist on Zoom worship yet. They are high-tech versions of distressing scenes at care homes where families hold these big rubber gloves through glass windows. These attempts to devise methods of touch, writes Richard Kearney, testify to the desperate human need to touch and be touched. Come what may. And you see this in the desire to to return to church Maybe it is actually part of our basic human instinct to meet, to touch in community. Certainly what they're doing in all the pubs around Marylebone, if you haven't seen it. Kearney reflects further that despite its drawbacks, COVID has given birth to digital expressions to enable people to connect because community is vital. From the earliest of times, he writes, touch was seen as a power of healing through accompaniment. So Jesus appearing to his disciples, physically inviting them to touch, or at times to avoid touch, speaks of humanity. A basic need which of course is coming back to the very purpose of incarnation, your Christmas story of God being fleshly presence in community. But in a post COVID world, a digital world, how to marry connectivity where the sense of touch is restricted. Richard Kearney again writes this, the challenge is to find new ways of accommodation between our digital and lived audience. We will need to acknowledge that they are different. That's the difference between digital and in-person. And yet we will need to explore ways of mutually enhancing our relationship between digital and in-person. In other words, we need to work out how to live both digitally and in-person, they're different. How can those differences live well together? To borrow a phrase. And Kearney concludes in his paper, it is clear that to live fully in a post-pandemic world, we will need both virtual imagination and incarnate action. Virtual imagination and incarnate action. Digital touch and live touch. He writes too, that the gains made digitally in lockdown are too great to ignore, in the name of some nostalgia for bygone times. Can we become a community at Hind Street who touch Jesus both in a physical location and digitally, and so witness to a new vibrant community of Christ, in a post pandemic age. A community who touch Jesus. So I've given you three views of community from this scripture. A community of disciples, a community of resurrection, particularly thinking about how we live when we disagree with one another, and a community who touch Jesus. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. For he is risen, and he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.